This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic Basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. Dante Marcatelli here with you, and on this edition of Magic Pod Squad, our season debut, our kickoff to the 2019-20 campaign, we're going to catch up with the general manager of the Orlando Magic, John Hammond. We're going to talk a lot about Markel Fultz. Who is the Markel Fultz that John Hammond knows? We'll also touch on his roots to Detroit. Uh, He is in Detroit as the Magic gets set to take on the Pistons. We'll catch back up with David Steele and Jeff Turner, get their thoughts after a long summer, and we'll continue to touch on the excitement that is brewing here in Central Florida amongst Magic fans and really on a national level uh, as fans check in on this Orlando Magic team, this roster. And, of course, uh, as we catch up with John Hammond, we're going to talk about some of the youngsters, the future of this Magic roster. Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, lots to get to on another edition, the season debut of Magic Pod Squad with Dante Marcatelli, David Steele, and Jeff Turner. Guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am for another edition, another season. Debut season number three of Magic Pod Squad. This is hard to believe. We're used to doing this like every two weeks, every two months. We kind of do it whenever we're up to it. But uh, we're going to commit to doing this every week throughout the season. That, that is the goal as of now. We're missing George Galante. We start off by saying we miss you, buddy, and we can't wait to uh, to next week to have you back. But it's good to be talking Magic basketball, and it's good to be with you guys again, David Steele and Jeff Turner. Well, we don't spend enough time together, do we? I we, mean, we need more we time don't. together. We do. Seriously, during the offseason, we don't, we don't see at all. a right. lot of each other. Occasionally, we have we, a group we get text. Together. Right. Yes. Group text and occasional Well, we do. Jeff, when's lunch. the last time you texted? His phone doesn't work. I'm, I'm always worried about because I'll text the wrong person or something happened. I'm just... I'm not on y'all's level. You need to upgrade that flip phone, JT, and get you a do. smartphone. You yeah. do. Do you remember the series of text messages we sent, David, this summer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it said Jeff Turner has added three people from his contact list uh-huh. into our text chain, right. which is fine. We're not saying anything that can't be seen. Sure. But it was interesting that, the randomness. From, that from his pocket... Without even checking, he could add people mm-hmm. to our text chain. I think he that, was moving boxes. That, moving time. boxes. I was a little alarmed. I still, I don't know how that happens because really it was. I couldn't do it on purpose. Two of the three, like I haven't communicated with in years. <laughs> like so, how did they pull come up? His phone is possessed. <laughs> yes, it is. I think it is. Yes, it is. I think it is. Well, let people know. I mean, let's get caught up on the summer before. And listen, on this uh, on this pod squad, we're going to have General Manager John Hammond join us here in just a couple of minutes. And and we're going to break down. We're excited. We're going to talk a little bit about the summer. Markel, what the season looks like for the Orlando Magic. It's always great to catch up with John. But I, I think we got to put a bow on this summer. Yeah. And a busy one it was for you. Labor intensive, JT. Very intense. See, you know, Dante, I you know I love this job so much that I didn't want any distractions or anything like that. So my wife and I got the grand idea. We're empty nesters mm-hmm. that we're going to downsize. Move into a smaller house. Great idea. Sounded great to me, too, until we find the house we want, which I thought was fabulous, and but the bathrooms just weren't exactly right. So we had to redo those. And the kitchen really would like some new cabinets in the kitchen, and, then, and it just seemed to snowball. Well, things that, all, that bothered you. No, no, these didn't bother me at all. No, no. Oh, someone bathroom else? bathroom was plenty fine for you? Yeah, the bathroom the was fine. Okay. The kitchen, I mean, I feel like I lived with it for a year, yeah, right? Yeah, sure, sure, right. Just enjoy the summer and everything like that. But, you know, hey, you know, happy wife, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so and the boss wants so, upgrades, you do it. Yeah. Exactly. So I spent the summer being sort of the semi-contractor uh, painter in charge. Yes, I painted the entire house wow. inside. I, I kind of like that because it's just my thing. And I, I do it at night and I just, I, I it's very that therapeutic. Is, that is the best test of a marriage is to put a husband and a wife together to paint a room. Just a renovation in general. <laughs> well, where, that could be too. You know, they, they basically bought and renovated a house. Yes. A pretty major renovation. Well, but the, That's but, a lot but, of stress. It that is, is stress. stress. But, but it, you hired people. You weren't physically doing all of the work, were you? No, I just jump in and I help people gotcha. do the work and everything. But see, here's the problem. The renovating and everything, it does put stress on your marriage. But we had the crazy idea that, you know what, we were blessed. Our, our, our house that we were in 22 years sold very quickly. So rather than rent something else, we thought, you know what, we can live through this. Let's just move in during the renovation. So mm. oh. the dust and everything, it's so it's uh, – I'm ready to get back ready on get, the road. Ready, I'm ready, ready to, to start go. traveling. He looks again. exhausted. He looks like he hasn't had a good shower in a little bit there. <laughs> oh, I'm showering great now. I got, oh, I got a great shower. <laughs> Everything's fixed oh, up. Well, yeah. gl- so you're through that. The yes. end is you're all done. Yes. You're ready to go. Yes. And David, you're back. You, you, yep. Yeah. Ready, ready for to go. ready for another ready season. To go. Yep. My oh, wife had some. Uh, she had some vision, some eye issues oh, with her eyes, right. and had uh, a couple of surgeries. So you know, it was uh, kind of a, a tough summer for her, but she's doing great now and uh, on the mend and everything's good. So uh, we're all ready to get back and going. It's going to be a great year. I don't, we get excited this time of year anyway. Uh, I know because we're, we're getting, getting set to do what we love to do. It's, we, we love a little break at the end of a season because it is intensive for seven straight months. But after a little bit, you're, you're, antsy, you're antsy to get back. And, and now the NBA is creating a buzz. We're, we're getting back to work here. But uh, th- there's a little extra hop in everyone's step. This year, we've not had a, uh, a summer like this in a while, right, guys? I mean, there's expectations going into this season, and I, I just get the sense around town with the team, talking to guys, John Hammond, as we'll hear from uh, here momentarily, that, that there's there's a little bit of excitement around this team. It's interesting, Dante, you know, just so a little bit of inside for our listeners. You know, normally during a season, David Steele is the most optimistic guy. Correct. Beginning in September, maybe even August. I mean, you know, there's a buzz that builds, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, Dante, we've been through this a little bit. And so we, I I think of you and me and uh, more on the, we're kind of in between. George is the pessimist, you know. Joel is the guy in front of a burning building. There's nothing to see here. (laughs) There's nothing to see here. Turn around and, yes, George is, if you give him $100, he wants $200. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. So anyway, so he's in the middle of that. In the middle of that, I'm the glass half. You know, I'm full. I'm the glass full. But what's interesting is, you know, David again, great finish for us last year. David's excited and everything. He's texting us and everything. I'm finding myself kind of at the level of David Steele right wow. now. Aren't you? I mean, would you not say he would, aside from George, he's the next hardest to bring he's along? Tough, it's tough to get him up like this. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if JT's on, on board with uh, the excitement level that, you know, my normal preseason yes. excitement level, pretty close, then we're, we're, I think we're going to have a great year. Is it hard? Course, I say that every year. Don't I? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but I, I kind of. 31 I'm, seasons I'm and 50 wins. <laughs> That's right. It does feel better, though, no, than does. since, I would say since 2010, since the 10-11 season. I think the feeling is better than since that time, going into the year, in general. Not not me, I'm talking about just uh, the feeling I get talking to people around the, the city and around the NBA. Well, I get excited because when I, when I think about last year, my mind goes to 
that night we clinched in Boston, right? Yeah. I mean, how for for our for our listeners, how I don't think there was certainly in the last ten years, maybe other than going to the NBA Finals that night in Boston when we finally clinched. It had been seven years since you've been to the postseason, and everyone getting together at a restaurant next to our hotel. Everyone's there probably 50, 60 of us from the traveling party in this place. And the last one to walk in was Steve Clifford. And just kind of that euphoric feeling. He got a standing O from the whole staff. <laughs> there were some patrons in there that I'm sure had no idea. And they were standing, they were applauding him too. They didn't know. Hey, we love this guy. We love this guy. But that feeling and that just that that what that to me was the highlight of last year. Was that that's that's where my mind goes when I think about the excitement of this team. How much fun was that? Oh. I know, seriously, that was That uh, was great. You know, just to, from what, but really, it's from where we've been. A lot of those. What was interesting to me is, you know, you talk about the the Steve Clifford staff and everything. They hadn't been through the years since two thousand ten, eleven, right? Right. And and the tough times, but yet they understood uh, where we were at and what we had accomplished. And those of us that had been here, uh, going through it, I think you're right. I think that was a very special night. Great celebration. Yep. Well, listen, we got our first telecast coming up uh, on Wednesday. We got our first home telecast coming up on the 17th. Is you can't really practice. You just kind of, right? You just, you're like riding a bike for you guys. You just yeah, roll just, right back out there and jump on TV. Yep. We've done it before. So we, uh, <laughs> we do all the prep. We'll be ready to go. And when the red light goes on Wednesday night, we'll be, we'll be ready. Right, JT? Uh, yeah. And I think, um, you know, we'll start with uh, smiles on our faces because, yeah. uh, you know, we're very, very high on this crew right now. And without further ado, let's welcome in the general manager of the Orlando Magic, John Hammond, kind enough to join us. John, always good to talk to you. Dante here alongside uh, David Steele and Jeff Turner. You're in Detroit getting ready for the Magic and the Pistons tonight. And and I know, John, I, I know that's a, that's a city that's near and dear to your heart, isn't it? You spent some good years there in Motown, didn't you? Yeah, I had a, had a fun run. I, I had a chance to be an assistant coach here and then uh, had a chance to work in the front office with Joe Dumars and Won a lot of games and went to a lot of playoffs and maybe won a championship. So, uh, you know, Dante, I feel a little more pressure doing the show now. Usually it's you and I. Now with David, Jeff is there. <laughs> right. A lot of pressure. I'm telling you, you, just a Yahoo like me, you can get by, but these guys bring it. This is hard hitting stuff now. Nah, there's no pressure, John. It's just us guys talking. <laughs> hey, I, I, want, I do want to ask you about your time in Detroit. Uh, you were at, at one point, you mentioned assistant coach, but then vice president for basketball operations. Uh, a team that had Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton and you know Ben Wallace had some great teams, but no real superstar on those teams. I mean, you know, Chauncey Billups probably the closest thing, uh, a sort of a perennial All Star. But uh, and since that time, there really hasn't been an NBA champion that has won the championship without having a so-called superstar player. Do you think a time could come? And kind of like looking at the team that you and Jeff Weltman are building in Orlando, that there could be a ball club that maybe doesn't have that top five talent but still could win a championship, or is that not possible in today's NBA? David, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I I think go back, oh my gosh, I think maybe 20 years before that championship in 04, I think, I, I, and I looked at it pretty closely, and and I think to this date now, uh, in 2019, that 1819 uh, season, I, I just don't know that that there's been another team that has won a championship without a Hall of Fame player on there. And now, so I'm talking about like guys that you know are going to be Hall of Famers. LeBron James is going to be a Hall of Famer. Dwayne Wade's going to be a Hall of Famer. Steph Curry's going to be a Hall of Famer. Kevin Durant's going to be a Hall of Famer. Go on down the list of, of, of all these former 
champions after 2004, they've all had a player on their team that you know is going to be a lock Hall of Famer. And the interesting thing about that team is you are right. You know, maybe Chauncey can make it, maybe because, you know, the big shots he hit over the course of his career. Maybe Ben Wallace makes it two-time, um, uh, uh, I think, uh, two-time defensive player of the year, led the leagues and blocked shots and rebounds. Maybe he makes it. But, but those guys are maybes. That like Every other team has had a sure-shot guy, so you ask me the best route to go is we need to get one of those guys and develop one of those guys. That gives them the best chance to do it, but nothing's impossible. John, this is Jeff. Now, David asked you that great question. He's been thinking about that all day long. But what I think about, <laughs> what now, I, and now your David, answer was terrific, by yeah, the way. Now but, David's tapped. Yeah, now. so I'm David done. doesn't have anything for us. What I think about is what our producer, Jake <laughs> Chapman, always tells us, and that is that the fans, they want to know about the here and now, right? They want to know about this team. They want to talk about this team. So talk about me. Exactly. Not me, but the team, the team, right? The team. And so I want to get, you were there. We didn't have a live TV feed or anything. I want to get your impression off of the game the other night in San Antonio. First impression was good. I mean, we, we played well. Um, you know, you look at our team and say, you know, I, I, I thought we overachieved last year. I don't think, you know, no one expected this to be a playoff team when the season started. And, you know, we're going into that season and we say what we need to do is we need to have, uh, a, you know, a guy or two step up in this team and have an, a kind of extraordinary year. And, uh, and then we need to stay healthy. And we did that. Booch has an all-star year. Terrence Ross came off the bench and was spectacular for us. I think at another level, he, maybe he hasn't played over the course of his career, not that consistently at least. Those two guys do that and we stay healthy. Our team fits together. You know, we I think we'll have a 17-game swing last year, I think, and then and then we make the make the playoffs. So the question is now now get back to your point, Jeff. The here and now is is uh, what can we do? You know, can can we be better than that? Well, I think for us to be better than that, I don't know what that means. I don't know what this team is. Is this a team that said won 42 games last year and made the playoffs as an eight seed? Can we jump to 44 wins? Can we jump to 46 wins? I don't know what we can do. Maybe we can do bigger, better, greater. Who knows? But um, to do that, same thing's got to happen. The guys that, that played well last year have to come back better. Um, we have to stay healthy. And then, you know, a couple of the new additions have to really play well. Al Camino's got to be a, a good player for us, which I think he can be. And, of course, you know, the wild card in this whole thing is Markel Fultz. And Markel is doing extremely well. Uh, you know, he's had a good training camp thus far and, and uh, looked good and healthy in the first exhibition game. Were you were you blown away, John, by by the interest in Markel? It's great, uh, but just on a national level, there's so many people pulling for this kid and, and rooting for him after everything he's been through. And I thought that was just a great quote the other night. This was great to be back on the floor. I, mean, I can't imagine uh, how difficult the last couple of years have been. Can you just touch on the kind of the Markel that you know and and f- fill us in a little bit, Magic fans, everybody listening on on on, on kind of who Markel is. You know, think about Dante, what he's been through. He's just 21 years old right now. Right, right. As the number one pick in the draft. And to have happened to him, think about the team, gets drafted to a team. They say, okay, we had this point guard with the other players that we have on this team now with Simmons and Joel Embiid. We, we could com- compete for a championship right now. And he was kind of the linchpin at that point. So that's what we need is that position. Draft him with the number one pick and, and – and has the injury occur and has to go through what he went through physically 
and emotionally. You know, in this day and age of social media, and these guys are, are, are so open and involved in it that uh, I, I can only imagine some of the things this poor guy that was said to him and that were th- said about him um, that, that, you know, he had to listen to and read about and, and I, I'm sure at some point detach himself. But all that being said, where he's at today, you know, we've made the trade for him and, and he's been nothing but positive since the day that we acquired him. Uh, nothing worked extremely, extremely hard this off season. And he had to work in two areas. He had to work in his rehab, getting the shoulder back to where it needed to be and work on the floor and get himself in condition and continue to work on a skill set. So he had a very, very busy off season was there every single day for us uh, working hard and uh, appreciate the efforts that he's made. And hopefully nothing but good things can happen for him. He's, he's a good young man and he, he, he wants us. He wants to be very, very good. He wants to be great. You know what, John, is this where, can you let fans know, maybe the scouting part of it, you have people that are scouting NBA players. Is this a situation where you guys have done your research and now a player like this becomes available and you're able to to, to pull the trigger on a trade like that because you've you've done the background, you, you've done your, your research? How, kind of how does that part play into this? No, that, that that's not scouting. That's the number one pick in the draft. I mean, <laughs> there you go. Guy, that's easy, yeah. You know, this, this guy, this guy is is who what he is. You know, he's a he's a special player, and and no one blinked, no one blinked when Philly took him with the first pick. Right. Uh, no one. Those you look back in the in 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 archived articles, what was written and said during that time, and every, no one said, "Oh my gosh, what a bad pick." People thought that this is a guy that you looked at Philly's team as their need, and to have a six five point guard to go along with that team. I think it was the right pick at that time, and. And so for us, this was this opportunity that presented itself, and and uh, you know we we had hopes that it could work, and, and we still believe that it can. You know, John, we haven't had a point guard here with this type of size and skill in Orlando since Penny Hardaway. Now, a lot of years with Jameer Nelson and Alfred Payton, uh, not not the skill set that uh, Markel Fultz possesses, and then of course DJ Augustine has done a wonderful job the last three years. But what what does Fultz bring to the table? as a guy that has that size and that strength and that playmaking ability that could really set the magic apart from other ball clubs. David, you said it, the size in particular, you know, he's six foot five to have someone with that kind of strength. And also he's strong. He's got a big, thick, wide body, you know, so it's not like he's a, a 21 year old guy that we're saying, okay, you know, give him time. Let's go into his body. Let's let him get stronger. I was watching him in that first exhibition game get down inside on the defensive end of the floor and and block out, box out the bigger uh, San Antonio players uh, in in that rebounding area. And I thought to myself, man, this kid is really, really strong. So, um, you know, what separates him is is that that overall skill set, that size, that skill set. You know, we've seen him uh, early in the the exhibition exhibition season, more importantly in the the early uh, practices that we had, you know, makes him – great passes in the open court. And so, you know, David, another thing we have to realize with him, you know, he's like a rookie. If you think about, you know, the, the few games that he's played in the first two years in the league, he's like a rookie, but he's like a rookie who's been around the league. It really, really is like a rookie in playing experience, but he's had a chance to be around the league for two years. He's had a chance to go through some really difficult circumstances, I think, which has made him uh, stronger uh, emotionally and mentally. And, um, you know, 
I, I just think that also the fact he's 21 years old, a 21-year-old rookie, not a 19-year-old rookie. So I think, you know, you, sometimes, you know, saying, you know, you know uh, going through difficult things can make you stronger and better. Man, I'm hoping that's the case for Markel. John, it seems like there's a little bit of excitement in your voice here from, about the young guys and everything. And you've mentioned age a couple of times, uh, 21 years old for Markel. I was looking today. Aaron Gordon's going into his sixth season, and he's 24. Now, when I played, John, and that was a long time ago, um, you know, you didn't really reach your peak as a player till you were 27, 28 years old. Of course, you were coming in around 22, 21, 22. When you look at the guys, the young guys on this team, do you ever say, my God, when these guys are 25, we're going to have something really special? Yeah, Jeff, you know, but it's a very interesting thing about the league right now because, um, you know, we talk about this, Jeff and I talk about this over and over and over again, the fact that, you know, the the one thing that we're doing, though, is you're right. The I, I, I agree with you. I think now, now that, you know, you say um, – uh, your 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 level of 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 uh, talent probably reaches its peak at twenty seven twenty eight. I agree with that. Today, Jeff, I think it's you know I think it's twenty five twenty six years old now because these guys are coming in so early. And along with that being said, you know we're drafting these guys so young, drafting these guys at nineteen years old. Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Markel Fultz drafted at at nineteen, like Aaron Gordon was, and you know the clocks start ticking so early on these guys and we need these guys to show who and what they are fairly early in their career because we have to make contractual decisions with them you know you look at at, at, at rookie scale contracts after year three we can extend them uh and and if we don't extend them in year three we carry it over to year four they, then they go into restricted free agency um so so you know uh you're right jeff everything you're saying i agree with you you know i think that they're reaching their their, their, their true potential earlier in their career. But once again, that clock is starting so much earlier as far as the team building process and the decisions that we have to make. So that that's the interesting part, right? Because if you're saying now it's 25-26, for you and Jeff, you, you've really you've got to make a commitment to these young guys based on what they've done at those early development years, assuming that the process of improvement continues without them getting there, you know, they're not going to get, you're not signing that second contract right when they're peaking. There's still some development going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, I I think it can't extend. I think, I think, you know, like I I just look at guys, there are some guys that are doing, there there are guys that come in this league and I, you know, I'm talking about like some of the guys with the real big time star potential that hit it. They hit it early and they, they become all-stars at 24, 25 years old and it just carries on. And I'm not saying you can't get better. You know, 24, 25, you can't get better. And you can, look, I, even great players, Jeff, I mean, you know as the next player, you know, what you had to do, I think, in the, in the offseason was that you had to come back better every single year. And you had to add something to your game in the offseason if you wanted to be, become a really special player in this league. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying a guy like Jonathan Isaac can hit his prime at 27 or 28. I think he still can. And same thing with a Mo Bob or maybe even a Markel Fultz. But, but those guys, usually when they hit, the guys that are stars in this league, usually when they hit, now they're hitting at an earlier age. They're becoming all-stars earlier, and they maintain that all-star uh, uh, that you know caliber player. You know, John, Jeff's been thinking about these philosophical issues all day. I'd like to bring it back to, uh, to, to the players on the team right now. Um, 
You talked about Markel Fultz. I'd like to, for you to give us a, a sort of an update on, on what Mo Bamba has looked like. He, his numbers jumped off the stat sheet the other night in San Antonio. What, what does he bring into the table? Well, you know, look, with Mo and Jonathan, very interesting. You know, both those guys that we just talked about, 19 years old, you draft them into the NBA, and you look at them and say it's, it's very, very – two things are very obvious. One is that they have tremendous upside – you can see that simply. Very, it's very obvious to watch them on the court when they play in college. So when you draft them, you know that, that that they have tremendous upside. The other thing you know when you draft them very obviously is that physically they're just not ready uh, from a maturation, physical maturation standpoint to play in the league and, and, and to be the kind of player that they, that they want to be and you want them to be. So, look, with them, it's taking time. Jonathan now in year three. I mean, I can see it once again. I mean, not to put too much into anything, into an an exhibition game, but I saw like LaMarcus Aldridge in that first exhibition game take Jonathan down into the post, and I just watched Jonathan defend him and and just see how much more comfortable he was. Not that where he needs to be yet, but how much more comfortable he was than he was a year ago and for surely two years ago. And even the same thing with Mo. You know, watching him even just physically. um, Now, tonight... You know, we're going to play Detroit and Andre Drummond. That's a whole other world of physicality. But I, but I think, you know, initially that you say to, to, um, uh, to see those guys just in, 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 in Jonathan's case, two years, in Mo's case, one year, just get physically stronger, better. Um, look, Mo, Mo has, you know, if, if that guy hits, he could be special. He's got great length. He can block shots. He can rebound with his length. And, you know, amazingly, like so many skilled guys in this league today, but he's really unusual. He to be able to stretch the floor the way, the way he can, because, you know, he's stretching the floor with those big hands. And I, you know, a lot of times, it's, I mean, extremely big hands, it's very difficult for guys to have that soft shooting touch that he has. He's got it. That was a gift given to him. And you know what, John, I, I look at, it's interesting you say that because media day was, there seemed to be an air of confidence around Jonathan Isaac. It, it, it was impressive and, and just a comfort level. He wasn't talking about his injury anymore. He, he was just, you know, he'd grown up and put on size. Mo Bamba said he has a better feel. Uh, these young guys are feeling more comfortable. Just, can you just touch on the vibe from these guys right now, what this team is feeling? Obviously, continuity is such a big thing, but uh, how much can that help them? Just the, the great vibe and the comfort level that, that this group seems to have. The fact that you your group kept them all together as well. Well, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan I think, is confident. And, uh, look, Jonathan is, is, a, is a pretty special player today going into a third year in the league on the defensive end of the floor. He has great hands. Um, uh, he has uh, good timing, good anticipation on the defense of the floor, good timing to block shots, a, an overall good feel for the game defensively. Uh, what Jonathan has to do is continue to develop his game on the offensive end of the floor. We're going to talk about the player. We'll, we'll talk about him and say that um, love where he's at defensively. He's got to continue to improve his offensive game. But, look, he's got time, and there's no doubt he's going to do that. And the thing, same thing with Mo. You know, as I said with him, you know, he, he's got confidence. Uh, he, like he, he's just really, really difficult for, for a guy like Bo to come into the league and, and as a sixth pick of the draft and, you know, this tall, gangly guy who, whose body, as I said, kind of wasn't ready. Now he's more physically strong. I think that gives him a confidence and just, uh, once again, the overall kind of like know-how, how to, how to be in the game after, uh, after his rookie year. So, you know, it's, we hope it works for these guys uh, this season. We think it. We think it can. They, uh, they've got off to a good start. Hopefully, they can continue to build on that. 
John, talk about Steve Clifford for a little bit and, you know, the success he had last year. Uh, and then you and Jeff, you have a great comfort level with him and what he's doing. How does his style uh, work with the, the young players that we've talked about? Well, you know, he he he's a, just, I think, a, a very good communicator, which is important in this league. Um, and he's extremely prepared, uh, works very, very hard at his job. I think that the players know that every time he he takes him into a film session, every time he walks onto the practice court, every time he walks in the locker before a game, whatever it might be, they know that he has prepared himself for that moment. And I think guys really respect that. I think they want that other coach because, you know, we we as an organization, and I know he as a coach and all coaches, um, talk about the players and how hard they have to work. Well, the players want to know that the guy that's coaching them is doing the same thing that they're doing. And I, I think they, they, they respect that about Steve. And then, you know, he, he challenges them. He teaches them. Um, you know, I always go back to a quote years ago. I heard from uh, the great Carolina coach, Dean Smith. Uh, I was at a coaching clinic years ago, and he, he concluded this talk by walking off, of, uh, walking off, and he came back to the, to the microphone, and he said, let me leave you with two things. Give your best player the ball, which was a pretty good one. They had some pretty good players at Carolina. He said, give your best player the ball. And he said, the other thing is discipline through organization. And, and uh, I think Steve Clifford, to me, one of his greatest strengths is just that. He's, he, he's, he's so organized and prepared, and I, I know our guys appreciate that. You know, John, the game has changed so much. These players have changed so much over the years. Uh, they, they, I, they, it's hard for Jeff to relate to these young guys. You know, it's the NBA. Is, NBA has changed so much. I kid, he does a great job. But I uh, think about wh- how you've carved out obviously a, a one heck of a career as an executive. But do you miss the coaching aspect of it? Do you miss that part of it at all? And, and today's player is so different than when you first cut your teeth as a coach. I always say, I always say that that. Um, you know, when people ask me about that sort of thing, and I was just, I was just an assistant coach basically my whole career in college and in, and in, in the NBA. And um, the only thing I miss is, is the relationships with the guys. Uh, just a chance, especially in the NBA, because you spend so much time as an assistant coach in player development, getting guys better and spending one-on-one time with the guys. I, I, I do miss that part of it, but man, love what I love what I do, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunities. But you know, Dante is so amazing. We think about a guy like Jeff. That and this is a true story. Jeff Weltman and I, the other day, no, I don't know what it was. We, we were on the plane, and Jeff was uh, reading the, uh, the, the the new media guide, this year's media guide, on the plane, just cruising through guys. And he kind of he kind of taps me, and he goes, hey, did you know Jeff Turner was on the gold medal team in the Olympics? I'm like, man, did not know that. And, and we just right? kind of was, once again, we were sitting in amazement of all the great things that Jeff has done in his sure, career. Sure you were. And, and <laughs> Waxing philosophically. That's what we do, John, right? People like us. Go ahead. I'm surprised. He's, he's, never, ta- he's never taken the medal off since 1984. I can't believe you haven't seen that. There's another new appreciation for Jeff Turner is all that is. That's right. No, that's great stuff. Well, we appreciate it as always, John, and uh, thanks so much for the time. Let's have a great season, okay? See you guys soon. Thanks, Thanks, John. Thanks, John. You got it. Thanks so much. Great job by John Hammond, uh, as always. And and how about that, guys? That is that that is fun. You know, the gold medalist Jeff Turner there. Well, that's interesting. They had to go to the media guy. <laughs> Obviously, that, that was so long ago. You know, oh, seriously, boy. it's coming up. I could it? see my mother-in-law not. Yeah, knowing, exactly. But I- <laughs>
<laughs> that was, that's great. I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic. But you Where know is what? the gold medal, Jeff? Or should, should you not say? I don't For security I, purposes. Well, you know, I've been in uh, a little bit of a transition this summer, right? Yes, you yes, have. So, have. That's a whole uh, other show. Yes, we moved this summer. So um, so you put things like in safe places and everything. So I, I believe that uh, it might be in a safe deposit box right now. So oh, That's a good place yeah. for it. That's a good place for it. All right, guys. Well, good work. Uh, next time we'll have George Galante back. I know he's busy. Boy, this guy's got all kinds of stuff going on, and I know he's sad that he couldn't be here, but uh, we'll be eating lunch and dinner and catching up with him soon enough. It's good to see you guys again. You ready to go? Ready to do this. Let's go. Going to be a great year. All right. Well, we'll keep this going every week now. This is a commitment, guys. Pod, pod Squad every single week. Are you up for that? Yeah, and it's best, you know, if the logistics have to work out for us. But, yeah, sure. we're, we're all in. Now, we'll, are we going to just cut the soup and dessert segment since we're doing it every right week? Out. Right out. Right cut, out. It's cut right idea. out. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. We're going to cut it right out. i, I got to think David's already cycled through all of his soups. I, I've got no more soups, soups left. Yeah, I would, I would We've talked so. about them all. There's endless amounts of desserts, but there's only five soups in the whole world. That's right. Once you get past, past split pea and uh, white <laughs> bean. That's right. Well, Enterprise. Well, two that are good, I guess. <laughs> you go then you get that. into chilies and stews and It gets kind of boring. Yeah, it, does, it does. It does. Well, listen, we're excited to get back at it. We're excited for another NBA season. And, and uh, every week, a new edition of Magic Pod Squad every Tuesday throughout the season. It should be a lot of fun, guys. We'll, we'll do it again in a week.